It started with the letter. You know that much, Amy, because I gave it to you to read back when we first met. Seems like forever ago now. Hasn't been forever though, has it? Just a week or two. It was a letter addressed to my mother. There was no return address on the envelope, so I wouldn't know until I'd opened it later, but it was from my Aunt Mabel. I never even knew I had an Aunt Mabel, but I must have. Must have always had one, I suppose, because here was a letter from her, right on top of the pile shoved with sloppy ceremony through our mail slot. I had placed a basket under the slot so that anything delivered through it would fall nicely there rather than onto the floor. But it was only allowed to serve its purpose one or two times before Mr. Drap caught sight of it. Mr. Drap was our mailman. He's a short and rapid man who never likes to cooperate. I think he felt a certain kind of power in controlling the mail. Or rather, in giving it chaotic free reign to scatter around people's houses. It was like his personal goal to have every house on his route flurried in paper. So when he became aware of my attempt at order, he placed a renewed energy behind his efforts. Without fail, he shoved the mail through with such force that not a single piece could come to rest in my basket. I kept it there anyway, out of spite, mostly, but also with some vague hope that one day Mr. Drop would get tired of being himself, that he would just let the mail one time fall into my basket. I considered that it might have been a wrong address, but it didn't feel like one. When I picked up the pile from the floor, it felt heavy. It pulled at my hand somehow, more than a letter ought to. My heart seemed to beat faster too, like it knew what was going to happen once I'd opened it. I'm probably imagining that now though, after, well after going through everything. It's hard to remain objective when looking into the past. Mail's here, I said, mostly to myself. Mother was at the table, as always, but her back was to me, and she never did turn, or move, or speak. It felt rude not to address her, though, because she was there, at least physically. I learned early on to talk as if I was speaking to her when really both of us knew it was only for my own benefit. I lingered for a minute in the doorway, reading and rereading the face of the envelope. Our address, not important, my mother's name, Lucinda, and a tiny heart touching the bottom edge, drawn there in an attempt to cover up an ink smudge. It wasn't written in any fancy script, as you may expect an ant to write. Ants just feel like entities that should have great penmanship, don't they? But this, this was just plain. Scribbled down like an afterthought. Maybe the post office was about to close, and she had to fill in everything fast to get it sent on time. There was no return address. I'm not sure if that was intentional or an oversight. The edges were crinkled, and there was no way to tell where in the delivery process that had happened. I had my suspicions it was Mr. Drap. He didn't exactly take great care of his charges. I walked over to the table where Mother sat. She 
has been at the same place at that table since my birth, and I think possibly before. She's reliable that way. Everything in my life could change, everything in the whole world could change, but there she would be, at her place at the table. Her head was tilted down, angled practically parallel to the table. I've never seen it move, I've never seen her face. To be perfectly honest, I only operate under the assumption she has a face because it's comforting to think she has human features. But it's only that. An assumption. I know she has eyelashes at least. They're average length and they're dark and thick like mine. Her hair is like mine too in most ways. Dark and thick like the eyelashes, but there's more of it. It clouds around her head like a cartoon depiction of stormy inner thought. I suppose mine does the same. Her hair is shorter though, and it sort of curls up at the bottom, which really adds to the effect. Not sure how it stays short, I don't know how it doesn't shrivel up into a crazed bird's nest. She never takes care of it, it's never maintained in any way, but there it is. There she is. Always. I walked over and talked to her, through her, again. This one's for you, but I'm not sure who it's from. I'm gonna open it. Stop me if you don't want that. She wouldn't stop me. Uh, if she did, I'd have more to focus on than a letter from an aunt I never knew existed. So I opened it. Lucy, it said at the top of the page. That was all by way of greeting. Lucy, with no great title or personal flair. I feel the same disappointment in that as I do with the penmanship. At least Mabel had used an informal nickname instead of using the full Lucinda. Lucy, I know you don't want me to write, but I couldn't not. Or however that's supposed to be said. You're better at words, Lucy. Anyway, I'm just writing to let you know that I'll be in town. Next Saturday is the funeral of Nolan Packett, and I am going. I know you won't talk to me, or can't, or whatever, but I'll be around in case you will, or can, or whatever. I'm still your sister, Lucinda. Then it seemed that once the statement had been made, it needed to be defended by repeating. She signed off, Your sister, Mabel Le Fay. There wasn't anything on the back. I looked at the words, your sister, again, and again, and another few times, just to be sure I'd really read them. My mother had never spoken of, well, she had never spoken, but she had never spoken of any relatives. This letter was the only indication of relations I'd ever received. My mother, in my mind, was just there. Just her own sedentary thing, cut off from people, if she had ever been joined to them to begin with. But now, it looked like she still had a tether. Your sister, Mabel Le Fay. I read it again, but it still didn't feel real. I put the paper down. When I looked back over to my mother, she was... It's still so bizarre, I hate to say it, but she was... She was crying. 
Drops of water splash down onto the table, proving she does at least have eyes of some kind, or an opening that tears could come out of. Some of it must have been snot, too, because she never moved or sniffled, and because I assume she has a nose and experiences crying the same way other people do. Crying is never pure, it's always tangled with snot and embarrassment and defensiveness against that embarrassment because why shouldn't you cry if you need to? Sedentary things do not cry. A rock does not produce water, not unless you strike it like Moses with a command from God. Something had struck her. She wasn't quite broken, she didn't move and she made no sound, but the name on the page before me had crumbled her into feeling. That was enough. I wasn't sure what to say, so I said nothing. I couldn't be sure anymore that my voice would go through her and would bounce back faithfully to myself like it always had before. I didn't trust the sound of it anymore, not inside the house, so I said nothing. The tears and the snot and the embarrassment and the defensiveness stopped. I almost didn't want to wipe it up because that would be like erasing it. My mother had written her response to my Aunt Mabel and she had done it with water from her newly rediscovered face, but I knew that these things she had written would never travel safely back to Mabel Le Fay and they wouldn't echo their meaning to me and they would do nothing but evaporate, so I got a paper towel and I erased them. My mother became stone unbroken once more. My resolve followed suit. The unforeseen aunt, the figure shrouded in shadow, whose words had left an aftertaste of sadness in my mouth, I would find her. I would find her at the funeral of Nolan Packett, and then I would find so much more. Real answers to so many questions I had in my head, but couldn't speak to anyone now. Real words, not water. Real, weighty words that I could dig my heels into and stand up on. I had an aunt. Her name was Mabel. She was alive, she was real, and she was moving, and I would find her.